morning, and thanks for tuning in this morning for a Monday morning. And uh, I'm Pastor Greg, uh, and looking forward to just jumping into a psalm meditation again with you this morning. I've enjoyed doing this, and it is Monday. I don't know about you, uh, but sometimes Mondays are hard to get up, but I usually like Monday mornings. I usually like getting up and getting out the day and uh, getting out the week and getting over things. And so, um, I, but I've enjoyed just getting some extra time throughout this uh, this break with the COVID-19 thing, just kind of looking at some different Psalms together and meditating on things differently. And today I want to just kind of take you to back to one that I mentioned yesterday uh, in our morning service together uh, that we started the service out in, Psalm 84. And so I want you to turn back there, if you would, for a few moments. And I don't know why you're turning, I don't know about you, if you've lived in a lot of different homes, uh, if you were one who um, traveled around a lot. I was thinking about it, my wife and I, um, we've now been married 17 and a half years. And um, in that amount of time, we've lived in eight houses together. Um, and the thing about it, we weren't even military. Uh, eight different houses that we lived in, uh, four of those were rentals, and four of those that we have owned or built and um, and just looking at all the times of moving, man, I think about when we first got married, um, you know, and we moved down to Florida and just the two of us and all of our possessions fit in a small trailer and in a van. And now with um, five kids, one bio or five bios and one foster and all of us in the home, we, we barely fit into a nine passenger suburban, just the people let alone all the stuff. I can't imagine trying to move again. You know, we began to joke about that um, and, and think about just how uh, you get used to that, but home ends up being where your stuff is. Um, it kind of became our thinking that, you know, we can make home wherever, um, but where your stuff is is kind of where you just, you feel comfortable. And, uh, but it got me thinking about, a, a, you know, a sign that you probably often see, you see it, you know, in, in doormats and those things that home is where the heart is. And the reality is, is there's a great truth to that. Um, it stands true for our physical home, but there's also a great truth to that for our spiritual home, that our home is where our heart is. Where What is our heart for, spiritually speaking? And in this Psalm, Psalm 84, that we mentioned yesterday and looked at in the morning, just of the psalmist who, who longs to be back worshiping at the tabernacle, worshiping with the people of God, being in, uh, able to, uh, to sing and to study and to, to, just to be a part of all of that. And um, he says, how amiable or how, how lovely is your tabernacle. Uh, the word there is a, a phrase that means, oh, how I love it or I, I long for it. And he uses the words tabernacle, courts, altar, house, Zion, all of those things. And it's um, inter interesting just to kind of put a, another thought on this. The inscription above it says, to the chief musician on an instrument of gath, or some translations say on an instrument of gete. Um, and it's, it's only found three times in the Psalms, this gete. Uh, we find it in Psalm 8, Psalm 81, and 84. And either, each of these Psalms are Psalms of praise because of God's favor with men. Uh, it's possible it was a stringed instrument that was used in the celebration of the pressing of the grapes after the harvest in the fall, which was a joyous celebration time accompanying the, the Feast of the Tabernacle. So very likely as they're considering and, and rejoicing in God's provision, rejoicing in 
what God has brought them out. The Feast of Tabernacles was a time where they would rejoice in the God bringing them out of uh, out of Egypt at the Exodus, and and they would just celebrate God's provision there. Um, and and so I think about that, and I think about this psalm, just longing for just to worship God and the presence of God and those things, and um, just um, you know clearly we see as it starts out uh, in verses one through four, and you'll kind of see it sits into stanzas. Uh, one through four is a stanza, uh, then five through eight is a stanza, and then nine through twelve. And you'll see each stanza finishes with the pause. I believe it's a pause is the best way to translate that. That selah, um, and or selah, how, however you want to translate there, say that. So we see that break into the four stanzas, and clearly the first stanza, one through four, is talking about how he longs and faints for the courts of the Lord. There is a craving, uh, you know, to, to be in God's presence. I think of the psalmist in Psalm 42, as the, the deer pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And, um, and that, that heartbeat and hunger for the Lord, just to start out a day in worship and time of meditation with Him and, and have a desire for that, but not only for the desire for the 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 Lord's presence and just a worship, but also for his dwelling place, his house. He says there, my soul faints for the courts of the Lord. And then he says something interesting in verse three. He says, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they who dwell in your house. They shall still be praising you. It's interesting when you think about why does he talk about the birds there the sparrow and the swallow, and uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed that how swallows uh, are are very close to where people are. Uh, in fact, a couple of years ago, uh, for Christmas time, my parents had a wreath on their front door, and wouldn't you know it, uh, there was a bird that put a nest right in the that center of that wreath. And so the problem was, is every time you'd open the door to go out, and the door swung in. The bird would fly, and we'd end up having to chase this bird around their house, trying to catch this bird. And uh, but it found a place where it wanted to be close to people. What's interesting, though, as I studied this, is uh, one author, William Clay, tells us of a custom existing among several nations of antiquity. He said, "He said birds whose nests happened to be built on the temples or within the limits of them were not allowed to be driven away, much less to be killed, but found there a secure and undisturbed." abode and so so the psalmist is looking at this and recognizing man even even the, the the swallow even the sparrow has found a place he says man i they, they can't be driven away they found a place where they can be in god's presence be in the worship of god all the time and he has like an envy almost for them he's envious of the birds who get to dwell around the house of god and enjoy the presence the music the the just the all of the stuff of the courtyard there and to re- able to raise their young in the presence of God and His people that way, and and I think there's just a heartbeat that is is similar, ought to be similar for the believer. That man, I, I love. We have to love being able to be in God's presence, to have the worship of God be prevalent in our home and coming to church and to worship together that way. And He talks about that, and, that, and there's a praise that comes out of that. That that they who are doing that, those who make God's presence and his and the, the delight of his house 
They'll be praising him because there's a love that comes along with that. But here's what I want to get into just for an extra couple of moments here with you is in verses 5 through 8, he takes it into an aspect that looks at it more, in, I believe, in an eternal perspective of an eternal heavenly home as he talks about um, each one appears before God in Zion, verse 7. Um, and it's going to talk about the journey as we go to heaven. That even as he, and he kind of likens it to the, the aspect of the pilgrim who would be journeying to come to the tabernacle or journeying to come to the temple to worship. And he says, there's a journey that us as pilgrims are for Christians that we are journeying on a progression to our heavenly home. And, and there's a longing for that. Do you have a longing for God's presence to, to be in heaven for that heavenly home? You know, I, I haven't heard much about this lately, and I'm surprised I haven't, but I've been thinking about how even in Matthew 24, it talks about certain signs of the times in the Olivet Discourse, that there will be wars and rumors of wars, that there would be famines and pestilences and, and all these things taking place. And, and to think about, Jesus said, these would be the signs of the times. Just as you see the, the, the fig tree budding, you know that, that summer is nigh. So when you see these things appearing, that you know that his return would be nigh. And, and so the stage is very set. And, and, and that ought to, as we think about that, that ought to excite us. To realize, man, Jesus could return soon. This journey that we're on from in this Christian life could be culminated very quickly. You know, I asked, I sat my children down about two weeks ago, and we had a discussion about that. And, and, I, and I said, you know, David Jeremiah wrote a book one time called Seven Days. And, and, and so I'm not saying we're setting a date. I'm not a date setter on when Christ returned. But, but what if he were to return in seven days? What would that mean to you? What would you do differently in the next seven days? And one of them uh, said, well, I think I would go spend all my money. And, uh, and I thought, for, and we, we joked about it. We said, for what? What are you going to do with what you spend it on? And, uh, you know, to, to change our perspective of, man, we are on a journey to a heavenly Zion, to a heavenly abode with Christ in, in heaven. And uh, that ought to excite us. And, and, you know, and, and just for future study, if you want to do some further study, Jesus goes on the Olivet Discourse in, in chapter 24 and 25 of Matthew, and he gives out some parables of what we should be doing. One, we should be ready. Uh, he gives the parable of the ten virgins, five who are ready for the, the groom to come and five who are not. And then he gives the parable of the master who gives out talents to his servants. And he says, I'll be coming back at an unappointed time. And, and you know how it goes that, the two that had received five and two talents, they used those well and invested those. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in little things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And that aspect of, boy, we ought to be saying, what can I do? I want to redeem the time. I want to, as, I, as I go on this journey and I journey for the Lord, I want to live that, that well. And so he says there in verse 5, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Beka, they make it a spring. The, the valley of Beka would speak about even the weepings, the challenges, the, the, the journeys of difficulty. So the rain also covers it with the pools, 
They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. That it's a challenging journey sometime on this side of heaven. But we're on the journey to heaven. You know, as much as I love the gathering of the saints in church, man, I can't even, I can't even tell you how excited that is going to be to gather with the saints in heaven and to worship together and to join the angelic choirs and join the saints throughout the many centuries and millennia who have trusted in God and we together get to worship God. How amiable is your courts. How lovely is your courts. Man, I long for that. And as Christians, we ought to live longing for and expecting for that. And so that's what he's talking about there in verses 5 through 9. And then he really goes into an aspect of uh, blesses the man who trusts in in you. Um, and, and he talks about, uh, Oh God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. He says, man, one day in heaven is going to be a, better than a thousand days without Jesus Christ. One day in the courts of God, one day of being able to worship God without having to have any fear, as he's talking about really in exile, one day of being able to be there back in the place is better than a thousand days going through life without him. And there's just that, that expectation for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. There's this aspect of just a, a deep longing for that, that presence of God, whether in physically with the people of God in, in church or whether it be our future final abode in heaven. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Can you imagine how exciting that's going to be to be able to worship God in heaven with all the saints? Uh, the, the sound of that is going to be so loud and exciting and exhilarating. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to a, one of the big whiteout games at Penn State where there's sometimes up to 111,000 people yelling and screaming and the noise of that and everybody's so excited can you imagine when there are millions gathered together to worship god we get a chance to have a taste of that each sunday as we gather together well not right now because we're doing that at our homes but on our normal occasions we get a taste of that as we get to worship and to sing but man how much greater is that gonna be uh when we get to heaven let me finish with a thought here from C.S. Lewis. He once made this statement. He said, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, he said, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. It was when I was happiest that I longed most. The sweetest thing in all my life has been the longing to, the, the longing to find the place where all the beauty came from. That's what this psalm is about, is that longing in God's presence. Hey, you know what? How about we today? How about today we just look to the to the Lord and long together uh, for His presence? Uh, man, that's going to be so exciting. Let that just kind of wash over you that we're just pilgrims here. And this is only a temporary time, but someday we're going to have unfiltered, uh, unhindered, pure fellowship with God and with the saints together and just rejoicing 
And so as difficult as this time is where we can't even go out of our homes for much, how excited it's going to be that we can worship together that way. Okay, let's pray together and then let's rejoice, Lord, throughout this day. Father, thank you so much for the reminder of what we have in you and what we're looking forward to in our future home of heaven. God, we thank you for your promises that give us hope. They give us hope even in times like this when we, when we don't like the fact that we are um, not able to gather publicly and, and, and corporately as a church. But Lord, how much more does that make us even desire for the future home of heaven where we can worship that way? We thank you, God, for your, your promises of your word. I pray this would encourage us today. In your name we pray. Have a great day out there. I hope you're excited about someday soon our Savior's going to come.